Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Um, our scripture today will be from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. John 15, verses 1 through 8. And before we go to the Word of God, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us. Father, I pray you continue to guide and be with each and every one of us. I pray you guide and continue to open our eyes and our mind to your word, Lord. I pray that you give us an understanding, Lord. Give us clarity into what you what your word is saying, Father. Guide and be with the listener, Lord, that you watch over them and Whatever they are going through, whatever is the, that uh, is uh, on their mind or on their heart, Father, I pray that you watch over, guide, and lead them, Lord. Guide and be with them this day, Father. I ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, I pray, Lord, let it be. Amen. Again, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. John 15, verses 1 through 8, and it reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you cannot do anything. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given given you. This is my fa this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Amen. So as Jesus is, again, speaking to his disciples here in chapter 15, he touches on something familiar to them, touches something uh, familiar to their surroundings, which is growing grapes. They, were, uh, they understood about growing grapes and what it took to grow grapes and what uh, it went into growing grapes. They knew that uh, uh, also, they also knew that God uh, had referred to Israel as the vine, as, as being the vine of, of uh, God. They understood the deeper meaning of what Jesus was saying. They knew he was talking about the people as a whole when he was talking about the vine. As it says in Isaiah chapter 5, verses uh Verse 7, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. Again, in Psalms chapter 80, 8 and 9, it says, you, brought, you bought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and took it and took root and filled the land. Amen. Now we can see how God has referred to Israel as the vine in which he planted. And Jesus says that the very same thing when he says that my father is the gardener. But more importantly, here's the fact that the fact that Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, I'm sure this was somewhat of a surprise statement for the disciples to hear. They knew God had referred to the nation of Israel as the vine. But Jesus is now saying, is making the declaration of who he is. He is the true vine. So now we move from the thought of God's people, the Jewish people, to those that would follow Christ, that would be the Christian brother and sister. And so Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. Every vine that exists, every branch that exists comes from me, draws from me, gets their source from me, gets their mineral source from me, gets their life from me. And so Jesus is saying, I am the true vine and everything, all the Christian brothers and sisters in this world are the branches. And so as we look here and as we move on the, in verses 2 and 3, the pruning and the cleaning. 
I don't know much about growing grapes. I've seen it on TV. I've just seen a grape, you know, uh, a vineyard. Uh, only what I have read, I understand. And we all know or don't know that grapes grow on a vine and that not, if not tended to, the, the vine just continues to grow. There's no, if you don't, you know, take control of the vine, it continues to grow and grow and spread. And the, if the vine is not tended to, it does not produce fruit. And I didn't know this till I had to read up about it. If the vine of a grape does not, you do not tend it, it, it doesn't produce fruit. If the vine is left to spread out, most of the nutrients is sent to the leaves and there's much, not much energy for the vine to produce any fruit. So the fruit that is produced is small and has a bitter taste. So if you let this vine grow, the fruit that it does produce is very small and bitter in taste. Now, if a person that tends the vine prunes off the branches, then the vine does not have to support all those branches and the vine can produce good fruit because it does not waste its energy to support the long branches. So what, what he's saying here, so what's happening here is all these branches grow from the vine and not all branches produce good fruit. Not all branches are producing what they should. And so... Um, for me, I had to identify this with something I understood a little bit more. We have these things around our house. We have these trees around our house, the, these mesquite trees. And what the mesquite tree does as it grows, as it grows, the under part of the tree begins to die. So the branches on the under part of the mesquite tree are basically dead. They're just there. They're not doing anything. They're not good for anything. They're just there. And I didn't know that till we had mesquite trees growing in our yard and I had to prune them and uh, cut away these dead branches because all the undergrowth is dead. And so uh, that's the way I saw it. That's the way I could identify and it relayed to me that all this undergrowth on the mesquite tree is all dead and, and it's just kind of sitting there. And what Jesus is saying is that within the body of Christ, there are those that come to the saving grace of Christ. And once they have done that, that's as far as they go. There is nothing more to their Christian walk. They have done nothing to produce good fruit. These are not these are not dead branches or dead people, but people that have not gone past, have not gone past the point of saying, I am saved or I believe in God. There's no further relationship in God. There's no further relationship with Jesus Christ. They just become saved, get to that point, and they're like, okay, I'm good right now. And that's all I needed to do. And I don't need to go any further. And so there's no growth in them. There's no uh, life in them. They're, they're, they're just there. They're just existing. And so there are brothers and sisters in Christ that get to that point. And, and if we look at this, we as Christians, the last thing we want is to be cut off from the body of Christ so that we are now separated from him. And so we don't want to be separated. We don't want to be the part that's pruned away. We don't want to be uh, we don't want to be the part that's cut off from Jesus Christ. Now, I am not saying that I am not talking about losing one's salvation because Jesus said in John chapter six, verse thirty seven, all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being uh, uh, losing one's salvation. What I am talking about is losing one's place and to backslide into a place which leads them away from having a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When we 
don't move, when we don't grow in our relationship, what happens is we begin to kind of lose that. We begin to lose our relationship. When we don't talk with God, when we don't share in God's word, we begin to lose that relationship with him because the, the, <clears throat> we're not having that communication with God. We're not allowing God to work in our lives. But what happens if we bear fruit? Well, what happens if we're a branch that is bearing fruit? What happens if we're a branch that our fruit is really good, is really sweet, and, and is doing really well? Well, guess what happens? We get pruned too, meaning we don't get cut off, but we get things caught, cut off, cut, cut off from us, excuse me. So what happens is, as we continue to grow, as we grow in, in Jesus Christ, as we grow in the Lord, <clears throat> What happens is there are things in our life, things that don't belong there, that Jesus needs to, that God needs to prune away. There are things that maybe are way deep inside of us that, that God says, hey, that's got to go. That thing has got to go. You got to be cut from that. And that needs to be taken away from you. And sometimes as brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we don't want to lose those things. We don't want to lose those things because they, they mean something to us. And, and basically, it, it means that we're part of the world. Those things, those worldly things that God needs to cut, of our, cut out, out of, of our life, we want to hold on to. When we establish our walk with the Lord, there may be some things in our lives that are counter to our walk with Jesus Christ. So God takes those things, whatever they may be, and he prunes them off. He removes them not to punish you, but so that you may produce not only fruit, but good fruit, better fruit. You, you're, you're cleansed, as it says here in verse three, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. We are clean because of that. In verse three, we see that Jesus has spoken to the fact that we have become clean because of his word. For us, we are made clean through the message of Jesus Christ and by the words written for us in the Bible. Amen. That what Jesus has spoken, the words that Jesus has spoken, they have made us clean. They have cleansed us. And in the book, uh, Luke writes in the book of Hebrews about the power of the word of God. He talks about the power, how much power the word of God has. In Hebrews chapter 4, 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so we see, we have an understanding about God's word. We have an understanding of what God's word can do. It convicts us of those things in our life that should not be there. It convicts us of those things that, that God sees and knows shouldn't be there. And we see them and we think, well, maybe I can kind of hang on to that. I can do this. And I, God says, no, I need to get those away. I need to prune those out. I need to, you know, cut that off. And, and it convicts us. The word of God convicts us, convicts our hearts, our thoughts and our hearts so that we see things as the same as God sees things, that we need to get rid of them. We want to read the Bible. And we want to be told how great God is and how you can overcome the adversities in your life. 
and how God is good. Yes, all those things are are great. You know, God is good and you can overcome, you know, all these things through God. And and God is so powerful. Those things are true and they motivate us. But have you ever been convicted by the word of God? Have you ever read it and cut you right to your heart as it cuts you right to the heart, as it goes right to the place where it should cut you the most at your heart? That's where the God, the word of God should dwell. The indwelling of God's word is at the heart. It should cut you off from all those things that you think you need, all those things that you think you should hold on to. God says, no, those things got to go. I need to prune those off. I need to make you clean. Those have got to go. I need to cut them off. And those are convicting words that God says to us. Those, the, the word of God is convicting. It convicts us to say, okay, God, yes, you're right. Your will be done, not my will. That is the cleansing power of the word of God. That is why Jesus said in John 15, 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Amen. We are already clean. We've been made clean. As dirty as we are, as raggedy as we are, as, as you know, muddy as we might be, we are made clean through Jesus Christ. Through his word. Amen. We don't need to get ourselves clean. We don't need to wash ourselves because Jesus has already done that for us. Jesus has already done, cleansed us. He's already did that for us. In verses four through eight. Remain in me. If you have your Bibles, take a quick look there from verses four all the way to verse eight. Count how many times it says remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. And those are powerful things because remain in me is is a directive to us, is a directive from Jesus Christ to us that we must remain in him because it's so easy to drift off. It's so easy to go back to the things the world has to offer us. It's so easy to drift back away from God and we have to remain in him. It's an effort. It's a process. It's work that has to be done on our part to remain in him. When we come to, to know Jesus Christ and we are on fire for him, how do we continue that fire? How do we continue that blaze within our life? Jesus gives us the simple answer, remain in him, remain in me. What Jesus is saying is that we must not, we must continue to have a relationship with him. We must look to him daily with need, the needs of our lives. Not only when things are good, not only things are, when our things are going our way or, or things are our, our time of trouble, but each and every day we must look to him. We must look to Jesus Christ for our, the needs in our lives each and every day and have that established, have our relationship established within him. Within the verses of uh, the verses of four and eight, Jesus uses the term remain in me a couple times. Within those times, he uses the term once in the negative. If anyone does not remain in me. So if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. So if we don't remain in Jesus Christ, if we don't remain in the true vine, if we don't remain from in the source of our life, if we don't trust in that source, if we don't remain in that source, we become like those vine, like those branches that is thrown thrown away and withers. 
Now this is the result of being thrown away and withering. Such branches are picked up and thrown, thrown into the fire and burned. So there was a, there's a result of this. Our relationship is, is, some, is, is cut off. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we've turned from Jesus Christ because we have not remained in him. You see, that's a directive for us to remain in him. And when we don't do that, we often die. We often become one of those uh, people who have gone back into the world and continue to do uh, what the world does. What does our relationship with Jesus Christ look like? Meaning, can we say we have a true and serious relationship with him? Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. If we have a true relationship with him, then our lives could, should reflect that. We should seek him out each and every day. James 4, 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. If we go to God, God will come to you. If you turn to God, God will come to you. If you go to God, God comes to you in your time, when you're off doing your own thing, when you're off doing those things. Remember the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son who had gone off and, and wasted all his money and, and basically lost it, you know, all of, all, you know, lost his train of thought, his thinking, and spent all his money and everything and, and was now feeding pigs and was thinking about how good this uh, pig slop would be. And so he comes to his right mind and says, you know what, I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to ask him if I could be one of his hired hands. And that's what I'm going to do. So he sets off, he goes off, and his father sees him. His father sees his son coming off. And what happens? As the son is going to the father, the father runs to the son. He goes to him. He meets the son. He meets him. The, the, the son doesn't even get to the place where his father lives because the, the, the father goes to him. And then in that same manner, that's what God does to us. When we turn around from our sinful ways, when we turn toward God and begin walking, God comes running to us to meet us. And God doesn't stand there with, with folded arms, folded arms in front of him. See, I told you so. Told you not to run off and do those things. I told you to not to do this. No, he runs to us with open arms, ready to take us in. Praise the Lord. If we do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are like the branches that are picked up and thrown into the fire and burnt. If we need, uh, if we grow as followers of Christ, if we never let God, God's will rule within our lives, we begin to a slow decline away from God. And if we do nothing to change that, then we become like these branches and G that Jesus is talking about. We become burdensome to the vine. And so eventually the branch is cut off. When we, re when we remain in Christ, we can ask for whatever we wish and it will be given to, to us. We must not only remain in Christ, but also in the word of God. A lot of times we ask for things. We ask for things and never get them. We ask for things and, and, and don't receive them. In verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain, with, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. I think we ask a lot from God. But the one thing that we neglect to do is that first part in verse 7. 
We, ne- we neglect to remain in God. We neglect to remain in Jesus Christ. Then when things aren't going the way we need them to go, we go to God and begin to ask God for things. Even though we have not remained in God, we continue to go to God and ask for things. And so for us, when, we, when that happens, our heart is not in the right place with God. Our relationship is not in the right place with God. And James addresses why God may not be answering our prayers the way we'd like them. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You see, we ask for selfish reasons. We ask for reasons, you know, even though we haven't been serving God, we ask selfishly because it's going to serve us to to ask God. It's going to serve our pleasures first. Then maybe somewhere down the line, I'll throw God a bone and I'll attend church one time or twice, you know, within the year. And and so for us, we need to have that established relationship where God will continue to answer our prayers, but we must remain in Him. We must have that relationship with God. We must have relationship with Him that we would not be cut off, that we would not be separated from God, that our relationship relationship with God would not be stressed, you know, and so that we would follow God fully. And so for us today, as we uh, look at this, what Jesus is saying about the vine and the branches. The, the true vine is Jesus Christ. And for us as brothers and sisters in Christ, what does our fruit look like? As being a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, what does our fruit look like? Do we need to be pruned? Do we need things cut away from our lives? What needs to be cut away from our lives so that we can focus fully on God, so that we can focus fully on what God would have us to do? You see, we each and every one of us has has a, a uh, work to do, Needs that God needs us to do something within the church. And there's something that's going to be cut off from us. There's something that's going to be removed from our lives where God can fully use us. Because if we're using other things, if we're going to other things, if we're spending more time doing watching TV than reading God's word, then uh, God's probably going to say, hey, I need you to cut the TV out. Please get in my word. I'm going to show you something. Again, coming back to my own walk, coming back to the way uh, I came into the ministry. I did not want to be a minister. I did not want to be a pastor. But that God did not accept my answer. He said, this is what I need you to do. And this is what I want you to do. And I fought and I fought and I fought. And eventually God won out. I said, yes, here God, here's my life. Take it. Here's my life, Father. And soon I began to minister. Praise the Lord. And so God is using me. Even though I fought him off in the beginning, even though I fought fiercely, I really fought God on this. I really fought God on on becoming a minister. And so because I wanted to do because I was selfishly uh, looking for things of this world. But praise God, he did not give up. And so I encourage you to remain in God, remain in Jesus Christ, 
Things may not be looking good. Things may be a little bit dark sometimes, but remain in God. Things may be going well. Remain in God. We may have relatives in the hospital. Remain in God. We may have relatives who are who are out in the world. Remain in God. Our financial needs may be, you know, a little stretched at these times. Remain in God. You know, we may be a little depressed. You know, we may be suffering from some anxieties or worry. Remain in God. And all these things will go. All these things God will take care of. Amen. So for you and I, let's trust in the true vine. Let's trust in the gardener. That our gardener, God, knows what he's doing. That the true vine, which is Jesus Christ, will give us all the nourishment, all the encouragement, all that we need during these times. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us, Father. I pray you continue to guide and lead each and every one of us. I pray you continue to guide and be with the uh, Poston Community Baptist Church, Father, that we would be a light for you in this community, Father, a reflection, Father, of who you are. I pray your hand be upon each and every one of us, Lord. Be with the listener, Father. Whatever they're going through, whatever it may be, whatever their struggle is at this time, Father, that they would trust in you, seek your word, Father, that they would seek you out, that you would reveal yourself to them, Father. Guide and lead them, guide and be with them, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for each and every day, Father. Uh, lay your blessing hand upon the, our doctors and our nurses around this country, Lord. I pray that you be with our, our governments, fathers, our state governments, our local governments, Father, and our national governments, that they would be making the correct decisions, Father, that your spirit would come upon them to give them the discernment, Lord, on which they and what they need, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you be with us here in our community, Father. Guide and be with each and every one of us. Lord. I ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name I pray, Lord, let it be. Amen. I just want to give a, a thank you to our veterans, for those who have uh, get, uh, served our country, and more importantly, for uh, the remembrance of those who have lost their lives fighting for this country. And we, I think, also want to include, I think the timing is correct, to give our, you know, Shout out to our doctors and nurses who have given themselves up for to fight this uh, virus as well. So uh, this Memorial Day, let's remember those who have lost their lives fighting this virus, lost their lives fighting for this country. And so with that, uh, please check on Facebook later on this week. I will be putting up uh, a statement as to when we will get it, be getting back to our services here at the church. So please be on the lookout for that. And I know you can, I know you know how to use Google. All you have to do is put Poston Community Baptist Church and it'll pop up. So please look us up uh, on that. Uh, may the Lord bless you. Have a great day. Go in peace. Uh, amen.